Hello and welcome to the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. Do keep in mind that we have other resources and information available at our website. If you wish to hear other English audio messages, they are available for free at our website and also as podcasts through iTunes. Just look for us in the Apple iTunes Store under the Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. I think we can all agree that this world is not a great place and that there are a lot of things wrong with it. I'm sure that we can point the finger to many things that are simply just wrong. But in the end, what is wrong or right? What is the standard that is being used to judge wrong or right? Should we use our man-made laws as the only standard for good or righteousness? If we really think about this, there are things that happen that hurt everyone and they are not necessarily illegal. Nor can they be regimented legally because where would you even begin? And who would be able to police such a thing? And so we need righteousness, which is the ultimate form of goodness. But we need to understand what that is first and personally. If we want the world to be different, it starts with us changing and not expecting everyone else to change. Please stay with us as we look into what God's Word has to say about this. Let us go to the Lord in prayer together. Lord God, Heavenly Father, blessing and honor and glory be to you, O Lord, for you are worthy to be praised and exalted, for there is no one like you. No one has done for us what you have done. Thank you, O Lord, for your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the grace, the mercy, the forgiveness, and the salvation that we find through him. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, as always, I pray that you always please forgive my sins and my wrongs. Heavenly Father, we come with humble hearts before you, Lord, to ask you, O Lord God, Heavenly Father, that you speak to us, that you help us to understand. Teach us your ways, Lord God. Help us, O Lord, to do those things that you desire for us to do for our own good and for the good of others around us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Our scripture passage reading today is found in the book of Proverbs, chapter 24, verses 23 to 29. This is the word of the Lord. These things also belong to the wise. It is not good to show partiality in judgment. He who says to the wicked, you are righteous, him the people will curse, nations will abhor him. But those who rebuke the wicked will have the light, and a good blessing will come upon them. He who gives a right answer kisses the lips. Prepare your outside work, make it fit for yourself in the field, and afterward build your house. Do not be a witness against your neighbor without cause, for would you deceive with your lips? Do not say, I will do to him just as he has done to me. I will render to the man according to his work. There is a need for justice everywhere. I think we can all agree with that, that no one likes to be treated unjustly, even the wicked. The liar does not like to be lied to. The thief does not like for people to steal from them. The adulterer does not like to be cheated on. Many times, those people that do the most harm to their fellow man, ironically enough, require a higher standard of justice when they are wronged. We even see this in people that dare to judge God, people that hardly have any morals themselves, yet they dare accuse God of being unfair and unjust. Ironic, isn't it? We may not understand it completely as a group, but everyone desires some form of justice, especially when it concerns their own person. No one likes to be treated unjustly. Everyone wants for those around them to treat them even more than fair. Why is that? 
The only way we can explain it is that there is something innate in every human being because they are part of God's creation. Now, we are not born children of God, contrary to popular opinion. We can only become children of God through faith in Christ. Nonetheless, because we are His creation, we have some of His traits. If we continue looking at this need for justice, for righteousness, the Word of God says this in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 20 to 22. It says, Wisdom calls aloud outside. She raises her voice in the open squares. She cries out in the chief concourses, at the openings of the gates in the city. She speaks her words. How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? For scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. What this passage means is that when you observe the world around you, you will notice that there is a great need for goodness or righteousness everywhere. Don't you hear most people complain about how difficult and challenging this world is? How everything is so hard? This is one of the ironies of mankind that we want justice and we cry out for it, but we don't see what we do wrong as injustice or unrighteousness. Most people see the rest of the world in the wrong, but not themselves. We see something or many things wrong with the world, but many don't see the wrong they do. That's a problem, right? And so in order to fix a problem, we must identify the problem first. It's like when a person has an alcohol or substance abuse problem and that the first step to recovery is admitting that there is a problem, acknowledging that they have an issue. So what is the problem? The problem stems from what we as people in general choose to set as the standard for righteousness, for justice. What is the standard for justice? Well, that's a hard question because the majority of people have created their own standard for justice. What may be right to some people may be wrong to others. Everyone has a different standard because their standards are set on their opinions, on what they have chosen to believe, what is right and what is wrong. We currently live in a world where morality has been recreated into something that is completely different from what we knew before. Morality is relative. Right and wrong is relative. That's what we're told all the time. We can get into these interesting perspectives. And of course, we have a tendency to see as wrong what other people do, even though we may be doing exactly the same thing wrong they are doing. The mirror is broken, so to speak, or at least so it seems. And again, because most people have created their own standard, their own brand of justice. There was a time such as this mentioned in the Bible because there's nothing new under the sun, as Ecclesiastes put it. In Judges chapter 21, verse 25, it says this, In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And so most of the people in this world is in the same boat, if you will, as the people from before, where people are doing right in their own eyes. Everyone else is wrong or everyone else is crazy, right? This reminds me of an old joke, uh, maybe not that funny, but germane to our discussion. There was a man driving down a certain busy road somewhere, and he was swerving through traffic frantically. As he was skillfully dodging cars left and right, he felt the need to turn on the radio to try to calm himself down because of the stress. And suddenly, there was a news bulletin. The announcer warns people to take special precautions driving down a certain street in the city because there's a madman going against traffic. As he listened to the bulletin, he said to himself, One madman? There are hundreds tonight, and they're all driving on the street I'm on. It's funny how that perspective thing works, right? Well, some people may agree or disagree with how traffic laws are set where they live. But 
someone or a group of people develop those standards so that if people in general follow traffic laws, then everyone can be able to drive safely. Could you imagine if streets didn't have traffic lights or signs or signals, or if everyone just did their own thing when driving? Like our little story, what if someone or some people just made the decision to drive against traffic because they felt like it? I've seen a lot of movies where people do that and those supposedly great drivers or the hero in the movie come out fine somehow, but there are usually others getting hurt. But I think we can all agree that most movies involve make-believe, right? At least when you get a certain age, you start to understand that Superman really didn't fly or that it is a bad idea to drop anvils on people's heads or that crazy coyote that chases a roadrunner always bounces back somehow after getting hit by buses or falling off cliffs or getting blown up by dynamite. I offer up the assumption, though, that we all agree that there is much make-believe in movies. Yet it seems like grown adults are using what they see on TV or hear in music or watch in movies, and of course, what's on the internet, to help determine their moral standard. That's their source for how they choose to live their lives, which is a large part of the chaos that we have today. I still like watching cartoons because they're fun to watch, but that doesn't mean I have to go and do what the cartoons are doing. I have to draw a line between what I see and hear and what I use as reference for my own life. And so there is a need for a standard. But the question is, who should dictate that standard? I have to say that as humans, it would be impossible for us to agree on a moral standard. I mean, just look at us. It's hard for families to get along, and supposedly we love each other. Parents or children are at odds. If families cannot find a way to coexist after some time, what about total strangers with different customs and traditions? And what about this concept that some people believe that they're smarter than others or feel more entitled? So, is it even possible for people to come up with a moral standard? It's just not possible. Just by using simple logic, we should realize that something or someone greater than us should dictate what the moral standard should be. And of course, I would have to submit to you for your consideration, God. If you have any kind of faith in God, you understand that God is God. He made everything. He is the master of the universe. And if we believe in God, could we agree that he should then set the standard, especially as an unbiased party? And if we do agree that God should set the standard, then where should we look for his standard? Well, we should look for his standard in the word of God, the Holy Bible. The Bible should be the standard, our personal standard. It should be our set of instructions. That is God's entire purpose for his word, his counsel to mankind. In the pages of the Bible, we find all answers, even the reason and purpose for our existence. It's all in there. And so, if we believe that the Word of God should be the standard, then we should start looking into it. This is what the Bible states about what the purpose of God's Word is. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 to 17 says this, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Fairly straightforward, right? All scripture from Genesis to Revelation was inspired by God and its purpose is to make people complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. How about that? 
Life comes with instructions. God gave us His instructions. We don't need to guess or formulate our own opinion of wrong or right. God Himself, through divine inspiration, has said in the very pages of the Bible His complete counsel to everyone. Now let's continue looking. Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, verse 31, the following, And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. How about that? The golden rule, as many refer to it, was given to us by Jesus himself. And this whole thing of having a broken mirror, of seeing what others do as wrong, but not our own wrong actions, would just go away if we just applied this concept. Like I said before, the thief doesn't like for people to steal from them. The liar doesn't like to be lied to. The cheater doesn't like to be cheated on. The killer would not like for someone to take their life and so on. If we all practice this very simple concept in our lives, the world would change in an incredible way and almost instantly. People wouldn't take advantage of each other. No one would be bullied or abused. This very simple consideration would change the world if people applied it, if they lived it. And so, what else does the Bible tell us? Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7 says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now, what does this mean? Well, let's build a simple line of logic. Logic can really become your best friend if you use it right. If a person believes in God, then they should understand what he is capable of. That he sees everything, knows everything, can do anything, and will judge everything. And so, if we truly believe that, then we would be more mindful of what we do, or at least that is what should happen. At the very least, if you believe in God, you believe in a being that is superior to you and that he holds in his hands the decision of whether you live forever or die forever. And if that is the case, you should fear him then. You should have a deep and awesome respect for him because that is what the fear of the Lord is, that you hold this being that knows and judges everything in exceedingly high esteem and that what he thinks of you is paramount. And when you have this fear of the Lord, then knowledge begins. Why? Because knowledge or wisdom can only occur in a person's life when they fear the Lord, when they are concerned with his opinion of them. Why doesn't this happen in people that say that believe in God? Well, it's a mystery, or at least so it seems to be. Let's look at statistics for a moment, at least here in the United States. The highest level of belief 87% comes from a simple yes-no question, do you believe in God? Which Gallup last asked in 2017. And so, if 87% said they believed in God, capital G, in the United States, then why do we have all of the crime we have? All of the bad things that happen everywhere. According to a 2019 FBI report, there were an estimated 1.2 million violent crimes committed. Nationwide, there were an estimated 7 million property crimes. Collectively, victims of property crimes, excluding arson, suffered losses estimating at $15.8 billion in 2019. And that is just the tip of the iceberg, if you will. Those are the recorded crimes committed. But what about everything the police do not know and the people they have not been able yet to apprehend? How many murders? How much property loss or damage occurred? And what about those things that hurt people that are not considered crimes by society? Things that are not punishable by our secular laws. And so, 
The numbers give us only but a partial indication of where things are really at. Therefore, it is more than clear to realize that righteousness is needed and needed urgently. Jesus told us those that follow him to be the difference in the world, to be the ones that make things better through our actions. In Matthew chapter 5, it says this, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And so, if we are to be the salt of the earth, that means that we are to help the awful taste of this earth to be better for everyone. And of course, if we are to be the light, that means that our lives should shed light on the darkness and help everyone see more clearly so they can come to the light as well, so they can understand what is happening and be drawn to the Lord. The light also symbolizes the light of reason, that we bring rational thinking to the different situations we are involved with. The Word of God also says in Jeremiah chapter 22, it says, And say, Hear the word of the Lord, O King of Judah, you who sit on the throne of David, you and your servants and your people who enter these gates. Thus says the Lord, Execute judgment and righteousness, and deliver the plundered out of the hand of the oppressor. Do no wrong and do no violence to the stranger, to the fatherless or the widow, nor shed innocent blood in this place. And so the word of God is very clear in the things we should be doing as followers of Jesus Christ. And everything that it teaches us gives us a standard of goodness, of grace, and of goodwill to all men. Because Jesus even taught us not only to love those that do good to us, but even to love our enemies. It's extremely difficult to do so, but yet no one can say something like that is wrong. Actually, quite the contrary. Loving your enemy is something sublime and noble. The Bible teaches us what should be in the life of every follower of Christ, those people that allow themselves to be governed by the Holy Spirit of God. This is what Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 to 25 tells us. It says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. But how does it become possible to live out the standard of the Bible? Because it must become evident to everyone that you cannot do it on your own. You need someone that is stronger than you to be able to fulfill it through your life, to be able to do those things that God truly wants you to do. The Bible teaches us that the fulfillment of God's law is founded on two critical principles. Mark chapter 12 tells us this, which we have mentioned many, many times. Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment, and the second, like it, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. 
If you learn how to love God, then you will learn how to love your neighbor as yourself. This is the basis for God's standard, for God's will and purpose for man. And the only way you can come to love God is by knowing Him personally, by repenting from all of your sins and making Jesus the Lord of your life. That is the way that God Himself through the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you and what makes eternal life possible as well as giving you the abilities to practice true righteousness. Knowing God changes everything in a person. Having that personal encounter followed by that daily walk that regular communion with the Lord. If people are honest and sincere, many will realize that something drastic needs to change in their lives so they are able to change the wrong things that they do. There needs to be a transformation. Many people do have good intentions, but intentions remain as intentions only if there is no transformation. Without God in your life, you will only continue hurting yourselves and hurting others, whether you realize it or not. That is the problem with sin. Sin does not hurt God. Sin hurts man. This is the greatest need we all have for righteousness, and the righteousness of God is fulfilled by living God's goodness in our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit, which in turn will guide us through the Word of God. And finally, doing what is right, practicing righteousness, which is what God's will is in the end, is in your best interest. If you want to find eternal life and live a transformed existence, then you need to learn how to love the Lord with everything you are. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 tells us this, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every certain thing, whether good or evil. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9 and 10 also tells us this, Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what He has done, whether good or bad. So it is very clear that every single person will give an account, both the unbeliever as well as the follower of Jesus Christ. Now then, who is the one we need to be righteous with the most? I submit to you that we need to be fair with God the most. We need to consider all of the things He has done for us. In the end, practicing righteousness is all about being fair. And we need to learn for our own good and for the good of those that surround us to be fair with God. And that is why all of the law and the prophets is fulfilled on this very simple concept. Deuteronomy chapter 6 says, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. God loves you with everything He is, and He proves it day after day and through the sacrifice of His Son on the cross, which paves the way to eternal life so you can have the gift of salvation. There is no one more good than God. So if God loves you that much, will you consider learning to love Him as much as He loves you? If we truly understand God's Word, we can then come to understand that true righteousness is more than just being moral. Morality is only a byproduct of something greater and more meaningful that needs to happen in every person's life. 
everything good and life-producing stems out of learning to love God with everything we are. And as we just saw, it is the fairest thing we could ever do, to learn to love God because He loves us. That is a true standard of righteousness. That is God's righteousness. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. What wrong is there in God offering every human being the opportunity for eternal life freely as a gift? What wrong is there in a human being repenting from sin by turning away from something that ultimately brings about death and destruction? What wrong is there in learning to love an incredible being that has done everything for you, whether you understand it or not? Everything around us tells us that we need God's righteousness in our own lives and all around us, that we need to practice it everywhere in every aspect of our lives. I challenge you today that if you have not yet come to know God and His righteousness, that you do that right now. Come to know the Lord personally and intimately. Allow yourself to have an encounter with the Almighty of the universe so you can go beyond pointing the finger at others and allow for God to work in your life and free you from the power of sin. God's righteousness is the only thing that can liberate you from sin and its eternal consequences. If you want to experience true freedom, come to Christ and He will make everything brand new and different in your life. And that is what will ultimately generate God's righteousness in your life, the type of righteousness the entire world needs. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, I bless you, I praise you, I worship you, O Lord. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks that you offer much more than morality in your word. You offer, Lord God, a path to eternal life, to transformation, to change, to blessing, Lord God. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks because you are truly good to us, O Lord. Because, Lord God, you want to do incredible and great things in the life of every single person. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks, O Lord, because you have a purpose and a reason for our lives, O Lord. That you want, Lord God, to do great and awesome things, Lord God, through us. I pray, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, for every person that is listening right now. Especially those that have not yet come to know you personally. I pray, O Lord, Heavenly Father, that you may touch their hearts, O Lord, and that they may see the need, the void within their heart, Lord God, and that they may see and understand that you are the only one that could fill that void and change their lives forever. And I pray, Lord God, also for those of us that have come to know you and that have you in our lives, to allow you to flow through our lives in the goodness that you wish to bestow on every single human being. Help us, O Lord, to be able to love our neighbors as ourselves and to even be able to love our enemies, Lord God, no matter how difficult that is. To remember that when we were your enemies, you loved us and you gave your Son, Jesus Christ, so that we could be saved. Heavenly Father, help us to learn how to love you and to be fair with you, Lord God. Heavenly Father, help us to do that which truly pleases you, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.